Oh, listener, I have exciting news. The You Matter to God Bible study included a weekly chapter in The Story of Familiar Land. It is an allegory that mirrors our experiences in life, but through a spiritual lens in ways that we cannot often see. I hope that you will join me as we now venture into the story of Familiar Land. Familiar Land, Chapter 2 The little girl sat quietly. Her feet tucked under the nightgown she pulled tightly around her. It was dark, only the faintest light inside her little house, and the air was cool and damp. Her tummy rumbled a bit, hungry for a snack. Sleep eluded her that night, as it had many other nights before, and so she retreated into the one place where she always felt safe her imagination. Let us step back for a moment and take a larger view of the life of our little friend and what brought her to this place. For you see, she lived in a land with all the troubles and stresses, hardships and heartaches, love and longing, frustration and questions with which we all live. It was just that she was too young yet to understand very much about the land in which she was living. For now, the only life she knew was the very, very small one that revolved around her. Even now, any of us grown folk can lose sight of the larger world around us and our small part in it. As you already know, life had not always been so quiet for this little girl. Familiar land was a beautiful land, a land filled with mountains and valleys, cities and farmland, animals and people, work and play. There were people of all shapes and sizes, all colors and languages. Depending upon which group you were born into, the other groups of people could appear quite comical or perplexing or even troubling. And while they all had their own ways of relating to one another, they all had one very important thing in common. They all needed love. Dear reader, there were other differences in familiar land that might seem confusing, but I hope that you will allow the story itself to explain. Familiar land was laid out in various villages, towns, cities, and communities like what we know. Within each community, there were families. Some families were made of relatives, aunts and uncles, cousins and grandparents, children and parents. These could be small or large, depending upon each family's preference. Some families, however, were made up of groups of people who desired to live very close to one another, sharing their life space and creating a community of harmony for themselves. In fact, each community created its own sense of belonging. But not all were as happy as others. But I get ahead of myself, dear reader. 
We will learn more about that as we journey together. Within these smaller communities, there were clusters of houses like a small neighborhood block. The houses might be built closely to one another, or each might have more space around it. The people of familiar land lived, much as we do, out in the spaces between the houses together, relating to one another, going to school, going to work, marketing, and the like. Unlike our world, each and every citizen in familiar land had their own inner chamber and slept in it at night. Their inner chamber was intended to give them each a sense of self, and as one might say in our world, a sense of agency. No one was allowed in your inner chamber, and as a protection, each inner chamber was surrounded by a tall, thick, concrete wall. It was a high crime to break into any citizen's inner chamber. Like every other young one in familiar land, Possibilities was completely dependent upon older citizens for almost everything. Older citizens were responsible for providing her meals. If she was especially fortunate, and our little one had been, they also provided other items of comfort, including small fires to warm and light their inner home. As long as any citizen was surrounded by caring older citizens, their belly should be kept full and their skin warmed. Because Possibilities had been surrounded by a loving family, she lived in a very happy, well-nourished, and lovely existence. You will remember with me, reader, that every little house had both an upstairs and a downstairs in it. Upstairs was a wide open space, a place where she could dance, turn cartwheels, and sing to the top of her lungs. It was her place to hope and dream. Oh, what wonderful dreams she had! She had filled her little bookshelves with all her favorite treasures, dolls, stuffed animals, jewelry, hair ribbons, lacy socks, and her very favorite purple velvet dress. Next to the fireplace sat her very own wooden rocking chair. It was big enough just for her, but too small for anyone else. She allowed her favorite dolls or stuffed animals to sit in it when she didn't need to sit in it herself. But when she sat in it, she relaxed by the fire, dreaming, singing, and rocking her baby dolls. With her tummy full and a warm fire to comfort her, she was quite content. As she grew out of toddlerhood, her father felt more in his element and loved to play with her. When he tinkered with his beautiful car or washed it on a Saturday afternoon, he allowed her to join in the fun. He didn't mind her questions, so she helped him with everything he did when he was home or rode with him in his car on his errands because now she was a big girl. In fact, once they were playing together in the common area, and he threw a pillow at her as they played chase. 
It was only meant to be a soft obstacle to slow her run. But as she was shrieking for joy, her cry turned into one of pain. The soft pillow tossed her way in fun had knocked her down. She hit her brow on the iron part of a piece of furniture. She wailed in shock and fear as blood curtained her eyes, and she thought she might die. Her father and mother had rushed her to the doctor and held her down while she screamed in terror. The doctor gave her a shot, and sewing up her eyebrow as her guilt-ridden parents held her down as she fought to get loose. She would carry a scar and less eyebrow hair in that place for the rest of her life. A brand new baby girl citizen was delivered to her family, and her parents became quite busy caring for this screaming little bundle of joy. The tiny home they all shared became even more cramped as there were now four inner chambers off the common area, which had not grown one iota. As she played more often by herself now, she truly missed her uncle Tenderheart. He was one with whom she shared the first and deepest kind of complete trust, acceptance, and unconditional love. He had not minded when she stamped her foot in protest of some rule. No, he would just laugh and tell her how silly she was, and he could cheer her out of it and into a new, and most importantly, interesting direction. Remember with me that her little mind was wired to ask the questions of why and how. Uncle Tenderheart's mind and heart were driven by those same questions, and he never found a problem he didn't want to understand and resolve. And thus, he was very, very good at what he did. Possibilities did not yet know, nor would she come to understand until much, much later when she was grown that she had been designed this way because she was meant to be a leader. Meanwhile, Possibilities was enrolled in school and was walked to it each day by one of her young aunts, her daddy's sisters, before they went on to school themselves. She absolutely fell in love with being at school. Her questions were welcome there, and she received big answers about all sorts of things, and her mind grew and grew and was so happy learning new things. She also made fast friends almost immediately, and they had enormous fun. One day each week now, they walked down the long sidewalk to another building that was called a library. She was learning her letters, and she could see the words over the big doors. But she could not yet say the true word, which was, of course, library. It was here in this odd building with a very peculiar smell that possibilities discovered a world of books, stories with words and pictures. 
The pictures transported her to entirely new worlds with all manner of creatures. Oh, she was in heaven. These big, beautiful books with shiny pages called to her loudly, begging her to look at them, to have someone read them to her until she learned for herself, which she soon did. They took her into fantastical worlds, far different than her own, where giants and monsters lived and lands where the animals talked and did things the rest of us do, like sit on chairs and eat at tables. Why, she was astonished. It was like a beautiful beacon to escape into their warm embrace, to walk their delightful paths, and to peer inside little cottage windows. She might have a picnic with fairies or build a fort with a bear. One day she had tea with a rabbit and then swam with a mermaid. What wondrous worlds of adventure lay within each and every book. New friends new worlds, new thoughts, and lovely big feelings. It would become her one very great comfort. There was even a little boy that was sweet on her, and they always walked together, side by side. Together, they had agreed that one day they would be a mommy and daddy together. One autumn day, just before Halloween, that sweet little fellow with strawberry blonde hair had brought her a ring from a gumball machine. As they walked down the long sidewalk, he pulled it out of his pocket and slid it onto her finger. It had a little orange stone in it. Because it didn't fit just right, it slipped right off her little finger and down onto the concrete sidewalk below. There it now lay, broken into two pieces. They were both distraught. This little ring was like a promise, a promise that they would always be together. She was crying, but he quickly reassured her that he would have a new one for her tomorrow. After all, there was a little convenience store called Osley's right across from the library. Osley's was a beloved neighborhood fixture that had quite a lot of penny candy and other beloved childhood treats. It was a magnet for all the children and adults who lived there. And so that sweet little fellow had promised to see her tomorrow with a new little ring. Now, I realize this might seem quite insignificant from an adult's point of view if you were watching this happen. But within her little heart, this was devastating. Even when she was much, much older, the sweetness of that first season of her life still lay in her memories as a touch point, a place where time stopped and where time would have to start again on the other side of it. Things would never quite be the same. Something important had been lost to her heart. Her family moved into a gigantic new neighborhood that was just being built, but everywhere she looked, she saw red dirt and downed pine trees. 
It was not beautiful like her neighborhood had been, with its very tall and sturdy trees, with its green grass and small plots of woods. No, here she could have walked and walked and walked, but never gotten to any school or any town anywhere. Shortly after they all moved, with her inner chamber now set up and connected to the others, Possibilities left the security of her upstairs to venture down to the basement level of her own little place. She descended the steep wooden stairs carefully, for they creaked frighteningly under the weight of her feet. Under the stairs was a tiny room. There was a tiny door to this room, so she could not see what was inside of it. When she got close to it, however, She felt bitterly cold and empty inside. Her belly gnawed with hunger and her skin crawled. Something was not right about that room, she thought silently to herself. And although she wondered about it, no one she knew ever talked about that room. Perhaps I am the only one with such a frightening place in their house, she decided. As she turned away from the strange room under the stairs, she cast her thin beam of light around the remainder of the basement. It was frightening, cold, damp, and empty. Except she squinted in the dark and shone her flashlight over what had caught her eye. Except now, what, what was it? A very large, dark, and terrifying crevasse had appeared in her foundation. What in the world? She slowly took one tiny step towards it. Her toes squinched together as if gripping the cold concrete for all their worth. She slid her foot forward by just the tiniest amount, Her flashlight beam slipped into the crevasse for the first time. It was deep. And the crevasse opened by several inches, smiling its crooked, evil smile. She felt the coldest terror of her life seize her. And so she dropped her flashlight and flew up the steep stairs. Wham! She slammed the door shut behind her and bolted it. Her heart did not stop its horrified pounding, however, until she had sat in her rocking chair, hugging her favorite quilt and her favorite bunny. She petted him like she might have petted a dog or cat. She quickly wound up the little jewelry box and let it play its sweet music around her. The warmth of the fire slowly quieted her fears. She slipped her thumb in her mouth for just a moment and then guiltily pulled it back out. She knew she wasn't allowed to comfort herself that way anymore. So as she rocked and hugged her quilt, one small hand reached out to twist and twirl her long hair. She would enact this small, comforting gesture for the remainder of her life whenever she felt anxious 
or uncomfortable, or if she was thinking deeply about something that troubled her. She was soon enrolled in a new school where she knew no one. Because school had already started two months before, possibilities had trouble making friends. The little groups of children had already formed their little friendships and little groups, and she didn't quite know where to fit in. Where once she had felt welcomed and liked, here she felt stared at, left out, and as if she did not measure up. She didn't enjoy school as much as she once had, and she missed her old friends. The world of love and fun and joy and learning seemed to be a world away, and she would never return there. Here, she longed for that constant fun of different family members coming and going, bringing so much laughter and joy, fun and games with her. Possibilities did not know what to call the great feast of joy that she had experienced. But, dear reader, it was love, unconditional love. Her entire experience had been permeated and saturated with love, so much love that it had created a world of love that had followed her everywhere she went in that sweet place that had enveloped her home and her family. But now her reality was completely barren. She did not feel welcomed and accepted in her new school. There were no other children in the neighborhood. And now none of her family members dropped by. As the cold temperatures began to deepen outside, a cold began to creep into her heart, her home, and even into her inner chamber. Now her mother stayed home all the time with the baby. Her daddy's hours were still such that he was at home while Possibilities was at school, but he was at work by the time she came home from school. This pattern left her lonely, too, for her father's good humor, playful energy, and many, many hugs and kisses. She had loved the way they had played together, and now that play could only happen on the weekends. Possibilities had lost the beautiful world of love that had grown and shaped her. She had lost the school and friends and little fellow with whom she belonged. And before that, and of course most significantly, she had lost her beloved Uncle Tenderheart. She still hoped that he might have been kidnapped by some terrible man and was being held hostage somewhere, or had gone on a long trip and not told his family. How would he ever find her now? And so our sweet little curious little possibilities quickly began to change no longer fed by all the riches that had been daily her experience, now things were very, very quiet, except when the new little sister fussed. Here in this new place, with all the substantial losses she had endured within a very short time indeed, all the possibilities that had lain before her were now dried up and blown away like the last of the brown leaves on the few trees around her house. 
Now the little girl could not be certain of anything, really. It was harder for her to untether her imagination and have endless joyous escapades in her mind and heart. Dear reader, it is very difficult indeed to conjure up joy when it is not found anywhere around you. Joy is usually planted by others in our lives, and therein can be multiplied if carefully loved and nurtured. But the joy that had bloomed so profusely had now been left behind when she moved away. The aunts, the grandparents, her friends at school, Uncle Tenderheart, and her sweet little love from school— None of them could reach her here. She felt as if she had been transported to an entirely new world. And in fact, she had. And so her questions turned from joyful exploration of the beautiful world that had once felt safe and sunny. Now those questions turned to deeper, sadder, and more sobering questions. Why didn't she feel loved anymore? Why didn't the other kids in the new school like her? What was wrong with her? What was wrong with her? If you ever find yourself being given this message that something is wrong with you, not that you made an error or transgression, not that you might just need to redirect your energy, but that you yourself, at your fundamental most core, that something is wrong with who you are. That is the most diabolical, sinister, evil, and soul-shrinking message that you can be given. It is whispered to you from the vilest voice there is. It has no truth in it. Let me say that again. It has no truth in it. When that message becomes lodged within you, etched into the bedrock of the foundational core of who you are, it will create a huge crevasse in your foundation that will destabilize your sense of self. You were created, designed, and very intentionally and lovingly put here in this world. You belong. Possibilities had lost the beautiful world of love that had grown and shaped her. She had lost the school and friends and little fellow. And before that, of course, most significantly, she had lost her beloved Uncle Tenderheart. My friends, she had lost her entire sense of belonging. We all need to feel that we belong somewhere and to someone and in the greater world itself. All these losses were the very thing that created the giant crack in her foundation that would destabilize her entire world 
and her entire sense of self and worth. We absolutely must feel that we belong, that we are essential, and that we are wanted. The little girl's heart became so filled with questions wherein she could find no answers that the girl who had been once rooted and grounded in love now became very unsure indeed. Unsure about what she felt within her new home, unsure of why everything had changed, and unsure now of who she was. The happy, curious little possibilities had become a more serious, introspective, and introverted little girl. And she then became known as unsure. These earthquakes in her life, the message that something was wrong with her, the lack of nourishing love, and the loss of sunlight, of joy, had eventually renamed her and reshaped her. She was now very unsure indeed. hope that you have enjoyed today's chapter of the story of familiar land. We'll see you next time. Bye.